Welcome to the Wilderness Outreach Mancast. My name is Pete Mamoni. I'm here with John Bradford tonight. The Mancast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality, where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots and your backpack and grab your compass and map. Let's get rolling. All right, let's start in with prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit into our hearts, into our minds, and just into our bodies, our whole being, and lead us tonight in in a discussion. Really be uh, present to us and uh just drive us to me, men of wisdom, of humility, who are seeking your understanding. We ask all this through Christ, your Son. Amen. Amen. All right, let's jump right into evening prayer, John. Uh, God, come to my assistance. Oh, Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it so was, it was in the is now and will be forever. Amen. Hallelujah. I have made you the light of all nations to carry my salvation to the ends of the earth. O oh God, give your judgment to the king, to a king's son, your justice, that he may judge your people in justice and your poor in right judgment. May the mountains bring forth peace for the people, the hills, justice. May he defend the poor of the people and save the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. He shall endure like the sun and the moon from age to age. He shall descend like rain on the meadows, like raindrops on the earth. In his days, justice shall flourish and peace till the moon fails. He shall rule from sea to sea, from the great river to the earth's bounds. Before him, his enemies shall fall, his foes lick the dust, the kings of Tarshish and the sea coats coasts and the sea coasts shall pay him tribute the kings of sheba and seba shall bring him gifts before him all kings shall fall prostrate all nations shall serve him glory to the father to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever amen i have made you the light of all nations to carry my salvation to the ends of the earth the Lord will save the children of the poor and rescue them from slavery. For he shall save the poor when they cry, and the needy who are helpless, he will have pity on the weak and save the lives of the poor. From oppression he will rescue their lives. To him their blood is dear. Long may he live. May the gold of Sheba get, be given him. They shall pray for him without they shall pray for him without ceasing and bless him all the day. May corn be abundant in the land to the peaks of the mountains. May the fruit rustle like Lebanon. May men flourish in the cities like grass on the earth. May his name be blessed forever and endured like the sun. 
Every tribe shall be blessed in him. All nations bless his name. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders. And ever blessed his glorious name. Let his glory fill the earth. Amen. Amen. Uh, glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as was in the so beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord will save the children of the poor and rescue them from slavery. Now the victorious reign of our God has begun. We praise you, the Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. You have assumed your great power. You have begun your reign. The nations have raged in anger, but then came your day of wrath and the moment to judge the dead, the time to reward your servants, the prophets, and the holy ones who revere you, the great and small alike. Now have salvation and power come, the reign of our God and the authority of his anointed one. For the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who night and day accused them before God. They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. So rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell therein. Glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, as now, and will be forever. Amen. Now the victorious reign of our God has begun. To the elders among you, I, a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and share in the glory that is to be revealed, make this appeal. God's flock is in your midst. Give it a shepherd's care. Watch over it willingly as God would. Have you do not under constraint, and not for shameful profit either, but generously. Be examples to the flock, not lording it over those assigned to you, so that when the chief shepherd appears, you will win for yourselves the unfading crown of glory. This is a man who loved his brethren and ever prayed for them. This is a man who loved his brethren and ever prayed for them. He spent himself in their service. And ever prayed for them. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. This is a man who loved his brethren and ever prayed for them. This is a faithful and wise steward. The Lord entrusted the care of his household to him so that he might give them their portion of food at the proper season. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, as now, and will be forever. Amen.
This awesome. is the faithful and wise steward. The Lord entrusted the care of his household to him so that he might give them their portion of food at the proper season. The intercessions on page 1453. Jesus Christ is worthy of all praise for he was appointed high priest among men and their representative before God. We honor him in our weakness. We pray bring salvation to your people, Lord. You marvelously illuminated your church through the distinguished leaders and holy men and women. Let Christians rejoice always in such splendor. Bring you, for you forgave the sins of your people when their holy leaders like Moses sought your compassion. Through their intercession, their intercession continue, continue to purify, to purify and, and sanctify your holy people. In the midst of their brothers and sisters, you anointed your holy ones and filled them with the Holy Spirit. Fill all the leaders of your people with the same spirit. You yourself are the only visible possession of our holy pastors. Let none of them, one at the price of your blood, remain far from you. The shepherds of your church keep your flock from being snatched out of your hand through them you through them you give your flock eternal life save those who have died those for whom you gave up your life our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this, this day, day our, our daily, daily bread, bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Peter, you want to take the final prayer? Yeah. Who's the uh, the saint today? Was he? What was he? Oh, Saint John. Is he a bishop or a pastor? A bishop. Okay. Lord God, you counseled St. John among your holy pastors, renowned for faith and love, which conquered evil in this world. By the help of his prayers, keep us strong in faith and love, and let us come to share in his glory. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. All right. Welcome, Bob Orzeski from uh, the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, I believe, if you're still That's in right. that neighborhood, right? right? Yeah, I am. Though I am, I'm married to, uh, my wife's from Columbus. She's from Westerville, north of 270. Um, so I got a little, I got a connection to Columbus. Cool. Right on, man. Well, it's nice to meet you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's nice to meet you, Peter, as well. So uh, just a quick story. We're going to we're going to grill Bob at another time about his uh, his uh, conversion story from from being a young man to not so young man now, but it's still a young man. <laughs> we'll do that another time. But I would say that uh, uh, I was started thinking about how you and I met Bob and I realized it was through Nick Weidenbenner. Right. Yeah. So I. Yeah, I remember that I went to St. Vincent College out in Pennsylvania, but we were connected with St. Paul's Outreach in Columbus. And 
I had spent a summer in Minnesota. I think the summer you guys went with like Justin Bennett and Andrew Keeby out West, I was in a different household, so I didn't get to go, but I heard about, you know, all your adventures and um, wanted to be a part of it and was able to go later on. Awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah. So uh, yeah, we're going to get into that. So maybe uh, next week or the week after we'll grab you back here and, uh, and have you tell about your, your story, but uh, we promised, uh, well, I'll tell you about, let's, let's just back off a little bit there. And, and so give us, give us the, uh, <laughs> give us the five minute elevator version of Bob Borzewski and, and, you know, where'd you grow up and, you know, when did you start taking your faith seriously and, and, uh, you know, sure. what you, what you Do, got for us, brother? You guys, can you hear me? Okay. Just, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Uh, yeah. So I'm again, uh, my name is Bob Wierzewski. I've my kind of my, you know, my elevator speech. I'm like, I got every vowel, my last name, except for O. It's a, it's a Polish last name. There's tons <laughs> of Polish people in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm one of, of three sons. Um, both my brothers are priests. One's a priest in the diocese of Pittsburgh. One is a TOR Franciscan um, out at St. Francis in central Pennsylvania. Um, so I grew up Catholic uh, from a devout family. Um, I think as I went into college, I started having, you know, it was that opportunity to really take my faith um, as my own. And I was surrounded by a lot of good monks at St. Vincent from the Benedictines. I know I was listening to some old episodes. You guys are talking about like work and prayer. And, um, you know, they really helped guide me and, and mentor me. And um, a guy that is now a priest for the Diocese of Columbus, um, but he's a military chaplain, Father Dan Schwartz, um, had also gone mm. to St. Vincent. And he had connected me with St. Paul's Outreach um, for guys. And we would we'd meet them for some conferences or do their man wars out in Toledo at, at the Russell's Farm. And um, I think I really in college was able to see that um, I was able to take my faith more seriously, but also get to see sort of like it was great to see some guys that were manly men that I looked up to that you know, they were Catholic, too. It wasn't sort of just like, oh, to be Catholic means I just have to pray all day or like but I can integrate faith like I can be a competitive person. I remember a lot of competitive uh, Frisbee games with the guys from Columbus or Minnesota or different things. So it was, it was neat to see that. So I really, um, you know, I think in college I made my faith um, my own. Um, I got married a year, a couple years after college. Um, my wife is from Columbus, but she went to Seton Hill um, out in Pennsylvania near where I went to school at St. Vincent. Um, we got married about 10 years ago. Um, then we had a daughter and then uh, she was only one, and I was able to convince my wife to go out to Wilderness Outreach, the dome land, <laughs> um, and she uh, agreed. And so I was able to, to spend some time out in, um, yeah, the dome land was so beautiful out there in, in uh, California, and really just continue to dive into some masculine spirituality. And then after that, we've adopted um, in successive years three different kids, so that we have four wow. kids, um, eight, four, two, and one. So the, the house is pretty lively and, um, you know, I'd love to do another long-term expedition, but it's, it's not in the plans, um, in the, in the moment. Um, but it really, I think for me, from a faith perspective, uh, St. Joseph is a strong intercessor. Um, I've also done some discernment weekends with the religious order Miles Christi or not discernment weekends, um, Ignatian exercises. They kind of cram the 30 day Ignatian retreat into two days. Um, and so St. Ignatius of Loyola and the sermon of spirits and all that, um, I think is a, as a good part of my spirituality as long as, as in addition to the, the Benedictines with that work and prayer and mm. hospitality coming from mm. going to a Benedictine college. So 
I'll kind of just pause there. That's me in a nutshell. We can we can dive in more <laughs> at a future day because I'm kind of eager just to hear your guys' thoughts on, on part two of masculine spirituality. Well, yeah, and, and you know that uh, particular expedition you came on, we got we got into it pretty well there, and I think you know it was uh, it was developing, and we had a good base for it there. And I can remember one of the young men that uh, uh, came with us. I'm, uh, his name leaves me right now, but he had contacted us. He contacted me like about a week before we were on that expedition. And, uh, he, he said, well, he called me, he left me a message or something. So I, he said, I have a friend. He said, I needed to go on one of your expeditions. Please give me a call. So I, I called him up and, uh, again, I'll I remember his name. I can see his face really well. And he, he gets, I get on the phone with him and he says, uh, he said, uh, I need to go someplace and really get my butt kicked. And I said, you've come to the right place. So, <laughs> and, and that expedition was a pretty good one because I can remember guys, you, you men, you young guys, I don't think I took my turn on this, but we were carrying that, uh, five gallon bucket of water, you know, on that QB in our backpack up the hill out of the camp each morning because we were in a high desert area. So we needed that water to sustain us during the day. So each, each day, one of you young guys would, would load that into your pack, which was 40 pounds right there. Right. And we're heading uphill in the mountains. And, uh, so anyway, so, and that, and I think we got into a, a good discussion of masculine spirituality. So, so we will try to get right into that a bit too. So, uh, um, uh, when we were back in October 20th, if you hunt down our, uh, man cast, we did on October 20th, we did a broad brush stroke of, of what masculine spirituality is. And that was a pretty good program. So, um, uh, so we kind of talked the, you know, the, 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 uh, big picture type stuff. And, and so tonight, so we kind of talked about the hunt for masculine spirituality that night, this journey that I had been on and trying to discover the nature of manhood. And then, uh, and then the next phase of that is really talking about this concept that philosophy is the manservant of theology. So it's kind of like the second part of this is we're going to drill down in a little bit and kind of talk, what does it mean to think like a man? And really, what what is it about manhood and let's say the theology of our bodies that makes us men? And um, so this idea that the philosophy is a man's servant of theology in the past couple years, especially since Father William Hahn has become the vocations director in Columbus, um, he's engaged me quite a bit with the seminarians and the formation work. And I can remember a couple years ago when I first met with these guys, we were, had gone through a day talking together and uh, we were sitting outside the campfire smoking a cigar. And I asked them this question that I had heard that uh, Augustine was attributed to Augustine, I believe. And it was this, this uh, phrase that the, uh, the ph philosophy is the maidservant or the handmaiden of theology. And I asked them, what does that mean? And I sort of had an idea, but I wanted to, I wanted them to tell me. And they said, well, first of all, we don't use that phrase. We say philosophy is the manservant 
of theology. And I said, I like that. We'll go with that. Right. So, um, so anyway, but that, that basic concept, that's so key to our Catholic faith. Our Catholic faith is so organic. It's so anchored in to God's created universe, right? That is just, and so this idea that science, that faith and science really come together, there's this, you know, there is no war against faith and science. The only thing that there's a war is about trying to figure out where each one is correct, right? And how it fits together. So, um, so as we proceed with this, one of the things to think about is how important worldview is and how important it is how we think. And so we live in a strange time. I can remember, well, when I first, when Bob, I believe you came over to uh, Ohio with, I'm trying to remember the man's name. He might be a priest now. He, but he is. He was Mike O'Reilly. Now I, he is Father Barnabas. He's a Benedictine. He's okay. At, he's well, down very, in Savannah at, the, at a prep school, Benedictine school there, teaching biology. He was just ordained this past year. So, Yeah. So from the time that we first got together and first met each other in that time frame, we were disturbed a little bit about what was happening to the boy scouts. Yep. Remember us having that conversation and that seems so mild now compared to what's happened in our culture. Agreed. So, you know, uh, sister, um, um, trying to think of her name now, but she, she is from, uh, Fatima, the sister from Fatima. Sister Lucia? Yes. She made the statement that the final battle between good and evil is going to take place at, on, by, with the family. So the evil one's going to attack at the family. And I would say the deeper attack in that is that if the evil one can attack our sexuality, the meaning of the theology of our body as male and female, he made them. That's then the family and everything falls, right? So that's so core. And so today what we we find ourselves in is this battle that there's even meaning in our bodies, right? So we have we have this whole this this huge Gnostic heresy that's just taken root in our in our culture today that where people are young people in particular are claiming them, my body doesn't mean anything, right? I can be a male or female. I can be whatever I, I feel that I want to be. There's nothing rooted in the, the realities of our body. At least that would be what the, uh, a lot of people are saying today. So it's really a huge Gnostic heresy. And uh, so we've gotten to this point in time where we're, we've, we've more than ever, we've, we've forgotten our history we're, you know, there's so many of us that are not ruled by common sense. This whole concept of common sense has disappeared now. And that science is being, is being stolen from us, right? There's so many, even in the medical schools today, there are people that are proclaiming that are supposedly doctors and scientists that are saying, well, there is no such thing as sex. It's a continuum, which is complete and utter nonsense, but we, so, you know, John Paul II, before he became the Pope, it's, it, when he was still the, art, the uh, um, 
Archbishop of Krakow, I believe, he basically said that we're in this new age of the, the final age, the final battle where, where it's the, the time of the anti-church, anti-truth, and I would add to that anti-science. So it's just amazing the way this, the culture that we're in right now is just like, uh, it's, it's trying to attack truth and meaning at its very core, which at its very core is that male and female, he made them. So uh, there's a, been a recent book that's been produced, been written by uh, Monsignor Shea, who's out of Bismarck, North Dakota, I think the University of Mary, perhaps you've heard of it. I know Pete's read it, but it's called uh, From um, Christendom to Apostolic Mission. Yeah, I've, I've heard you guys mention it on the show. Yeah, that's that's a, a great, it it's, a, it's a great book. And in that book, he says, we need to have an intellectual counterattack against what's happening to us. So that's why I think that this whole concept of the theology of masculine spirituality and let's say the, the theology of the feminine genius is so important today, right? And uh, so one of the things that, uh, so we're just going to kind of talk about being men so uh so so some common ideas is well first of all let's just start with basics reality exists right so like if if you're one of, if you're one of those people that's trying to default well i you know last night i was a i was a man dreaming i'm a butterfly is to today am i a butterfly dreaming i'm a man it's like well you're not even being serious and you're not even allowed in the conversation so go away so, you know, it's like, that's too bad. Leave, dude. So we don't want to talk to you. But truth exists and it's not relative. You know, this, these are things that could have been said 50 years ago. No one has said, well, of course it is, right? You know, the created universe is governed by laws. Well, of course, gravity, you know, electromagnetic radiation, uh, you know, everything from quantum physics to, uh, to uh, astronomy, you know, uh, and uh, and that, and there's, uh, you know, a, a man by the name of Jordan Peterson, who we've mentioned his name many times on this, uh, on this program, but he's really big into the idea that there's a hierarchy in the reality, in, in the universe, there's a hierarchy. That's just the way it is. That's the way God made the universe is it's, it's one of hierarchy. And that means that of all the laws that govern God's universe, there are some laws that are more p powerful than others. Some actions are more efficacious than others, and also some sins are worse than others, right? So it's actually murdering a human being is a lot worse than, um, you know, not allowing somebody to come across the border who's not a, a citizen. You know? <laughs> right. There's a big difference between those two, you know, uh, and that success, so there's basically this concept that within this hierarchy and this system of laws that's God given us is that what we need to do is figure out as men and as leaders of our families, what are these laws and how do we align ourselves, our thinking, our thought processes with those laws and help lead our and build authentic Catholic culture again, right, to rebuild it. Yeah, and John, as you were saying that, I was even just thinking, you know, those conversations from eight years ago, it's like you don't realize, like, until you look back 10 years, 50 years that just in, you're in the day to day. And then you don't realize, wow, the goalposts have changed so much that mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, this was, you know, you go back 50 years. Oh yeah, this is common sense. 
and then it just slowly it's changing and eroded away and now it's like you say that and people look at you like you're crazy but it's like that's the way it's been for all of time yeah i mean there's this guy named dennis prager that i listen to occasionally perhaps you've heard of him but uh, he's an interesting yep. jewish man and supposedly he was on um trying to think that the, the liberal guy that's the has a talk show uh politically incorrect or something but he was on that talk show being interviewed bill mayor he's on bill mayor's program and and dennis prager made the statement that Men can't have babies. And they laughed at him. The audience laughed at him like, you're insane. How could you say anything like that, right? I mean, it's, there's how much the goals, goalposts have shifted. And even recently, you know, one of, one of our recent uh, uh, Supreme Court nominees who, who's now on the Supreme Court would not answer the question, what is a woman or what is a man, right? And then they just redefine that definition in the dictionary. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, no, they, I haven't. Uh, they just redefined woman in the dictionary. You know, wow. I mean, you know, that was the question last year. Matt Walsh's, you know, book and documentary about what is a woman like. It, yeah, it is amazing that, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't a question. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So they've redefined. How, how do they define it now in the dictionary? Do you know approximately what they're saying? I don't have the exact, but it's sort of just, I think, you know, kind of that whoever identifies, you know, it's more of that identifies is the non-answer answer definition, <laughs> the circular definition that you really can't, you know, like whoever thinks they're, you know, whoever identifies as, as part of this or, or whatever, you know, some kind of gobbledygook. It's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so amazing, right? That's, that's soft headed non-think non-thinking so it's it's like it's crazy so uh anyway so as part of the the journey in masculine spirituality how do we how do we think about things we're going to talk about this idea of a, it's an ancient concept and it's so it's kind of like the ancient common sense that left us too long ago right but this idea of the the words called the telos and i like to use this concept of the telos of stuff so, so what's the, the idea of the telos is that ma matter means something. So material matter means something. So it's like there's a difference between wood and rock. And if you don't believe that, try to start a fire with rock, right? I mean, it doesn't work. And uh, try to build a fireproof house out of regular wood instead of using rock, right? So there's a big difference between wood and rock and that that means that those two substances can be used for different things. And that, so the idea of the telos is that a substance based on its material, its, its material content, it has certain things that it can, you can do with it. It has certain potentials. And this is true with, men and women now here, here's a this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of uh uh iq test here so uh for those of you th that aren't seeing this but we have a number of fasteners on the left a nail a uh, phillips head screw and then a bolt and then on the right we have a screwdriver an open-end wrench and a hammer so the question is which tool do you use with which with uh with which fastener now when I've done this before, there's always some wiseacre out there 
And it's always a man who will say, yeah, but I can use that hammer on that bolt if I really had to, right? <laughs> which is true, which sort of gets back to how different men and women are, right? Because women would kind of get this. Oh, yeah, you would have to use, they could see that. But, you know, some, but anyway, it makes sense, right? And you might even say, well, what would you make a nail or a screw or a bolt out of? Well, you could make it out of wood. You could make it out of plastic. But actually, you're probably going to make it out of some kind of metal because it's going to it's just going to have more strength. It's going to have more everything, more holding power. And so that's kind of gives you the idea of what a the telos is. And another really interesting thing about the difference of telos and this kind of will relate right into the differences between male and female and why this is so different. These differences between male and female are so important and they're real and they just can't be anything. But if you look at the difference between cast iron and steel, it's amazing. The, uh, the uh, atomic content, the molecular content of, of cast iron steel only varies by about two to 5% because it's basically uh, iron and carbon in a mixture of iron and carbon. And they're kind of used for the same thing, right? But they're very different. And just given that little bit of percentage of difference between the cast iron and the steel, you get, uh, you get completely different types of results. So like structural steel, which is used, you can see the building on the left, that's structural steel. And it has the lower amount of carbon in it. It's more runs in like the 2% range. Whereas the, the engine block on the right has higher carbon content. And the way that those two are produced completely different, right? So they kind of produce different though. They had the 95% of the, of the, of them are exactly the same, but you can take, you wouldn't use cast iron to build an engine. And because it's not stable enough, right? But at the same time, you wouldn't use cast iron to build a building because it's too rigid. So it's, so it's kind of, it's, it's really interesting how different these two materials are. They're only different by two to 5%, but the way that they're used, that the telos of the difference of those is, is greatly different. <clears throat> Yeah, and coming from my work in the gas utility industry um, and regulatory, and we're replacing a lot of our old pipe, and cast iron was one of the first things they used, but it was too rigid in the ground and it broke, so then they went to steel, um, but it had some of the same issues, and so they actually use plastic on the smaller stuff now. But it's amazing okay. how you could think that at the beginning, yeah, this is the end, I should use this, and then you switch it over to something else. And nobody says like, why I, you know, I think cast iron is better. Like there's no question. It's like people are using plastic or if it's a bigger line, they're using steel. There, there's not a debate anymore. It's, so it's interesting in these, some areas of life where we understand there's a right answer. And then and there's mm -hmm. other areas where we're like, oh no, you could just do whatever you want. Right. Right. Exactly. So the science, so in other words, if you follow the science, it's easy for people to follow the science when we're talking about something, right? So right. like steel yeah. or plastic, it's like, of course, Plastics a lot like if you're going to pipe your house, you know, with uh, water. A lot, a lot of the water lines and houses now is all plastic, right? And it's really easy to run, right? As opposed to using copper where you're soldering it. But it's like the science is leading that charge, and it's it, and it's because it's practical. It's 
It's based in common sense. And it works, right? So with real scientific type principles there. So this idea that telos is really important. Now, the next part of how to think like a man is the normal distribution. So now, Bob, are you a golfer? I'm not. You're not. Pete? No. Millennials are killing off the golfing, John. No, dude. <laughs> do, do you know anybody that plays golf? I do. Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't, uh, no. Now I'm, I'm going to, so you can, I'll throw out a name. My friend, Dan, he's a good golfer, right? Now, if you look at this slide, what's interesting about this slide is that the normal distribution, like if you, if let's say the Bob, we were going to give you, um, since you're not, but we'll give you 200 golf balls. And you're going to take a driver and you're going to hit every one, right? Right. And you're going to try to hit it as best as you can and as far as you can. So your, your, your output's going to look like that normal distribution. So you're going, to have, you're going to have hit one real far and then most of them are going to pile up in some kind of average place, right? Yep. And so like the thing, like, uh, so Dan, my buddy, Dan, Dan Boyden, now he can, he's a pretty good golfer for a, for a layman, pretty good golfer. So he's, and if we say, okay, if you take all the lay people that play golf, none of the professionals, you know, Dan might actually lay out there on the right-hand side of that. He's hitting them out there pretty far. Now, father Wilson, on the other hand, he's kind of one of these guys that sort of thinks he's a golfer. But he's like he's out there, kind of blooping around down there in the lower left hand side, right? So, so those are the two guys I know. But that's kind of an idea. So that's kind of again, how do we think like men? This is kind of a good thing because a lot of the a lot of the things that happen in our universe are hitting in this bell shaped curve or the normal distribution. So golf balls are one way to look at that, right? Now. If you have two groups, and in fact, let's say these are two groups of golfers. Now we're going to take a bunch of the lay, laymen that are driving the golf balls. And then let's say that's group one. And then group two, those are the pros. We're going to bring the, bring the pros in. We're going to take, let's say we're going to take 100 pretty good lay golfers and 100 of the, of the best um, pro golfers. And we line them up and we give them all 200 balls to hit out. And what's going to happen is obviously the pros are going to be out driving the layman, but there's going to be an intersection in there, right? So like the really good laymen who are playing, they're out there maybe beating some of the, 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 the lower drivers in the, in the pro ranks, right? So there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of intersection there. So, so even though you have these two groups and there's two different type of outcomes, there are some of those individuals in that group. So the, the, the group one will be doing better than some of the, the group two golfers. So some of those lay golfers will be out driving some of those pros, right? Now, this is where people kind of lose their mind, right? And you see this a lot. This is why, again, this is why it's good to think like a man because this area is kind of called the, the area of fog and confusion. Hey, John, explain to the people that aren't uh, going to be able to see this what the area of fog <laughs> and confusion is. You're fogging and confusing them. I can't see it. That's, that's so foggy. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, so you have two <laughs> normal distributions and they're one's overlapping the other, right? So let's say that you take uh, 200, uh, 200 college men that don't play football. They don't play any sports and you're going to have them do a deadlift. And so you have them all do the deadlift. And what you'll find of those 200 guys, there'll be uh, some guys that are really weak that can, they can only pick up like 10 pounds, right? I mean, I'm just making fun. And then there's some guys that are deadlifting that aren't athletes, but they're actually pretty good deadlifters, right? So they can pick up a good bit of weight. And then you say, okay, let's take, let's take some football players and do the same thing. And then what you're going to find, well, the football players are going to outlift the, the, the guys that aren't the athletes, but there will be some of those guys that aren't athletes that will outlift some of the weaker athletes. So there's an overlap there between those two normal distributions. So if you weren't real smart and you saw like some, some lay guy outlifting some, a uh, smaller, weaker football player. If you weren't real smart, you might say, look, normal ath normal people that aren't athletes can outlift football players. That might be your conclusion, right? Or um, might be that, well, look, Dan Boyden can outdrive that one pro golfer. So that means that, uh, that lay people that aren't pros can outdrive so you might make a general rule of that, but, and that's called the area of fog and confusion. Now, another place that you really see that is if you look at year to year, look at the marathon, the, the, the marathons that are ran year from year, year to year to year. There must, I don't know how many marathons are around each year, but let's say all the professional runners. And if you look at the times of the women marathon runners and the time of the men marathon runners, what you find is that roughly 80%, I believe, of all the men runners always beat all the women runners. Their times, 80% are always better than, uh, than, uh, the, than all the women. But there's an overlap. So there are some of the really fast women are outrunning some of the slower male marathoners. So about 20% of the women are running faster than about 20, some of the 20% of the slower men. And so once again, if these people were actually running against each other and you weren't a, a real clear thinker and you saw men and women finishing across the finish line at the same time, there might be a tendency, see, women can run just as fast as men can, which is not true. So this is the area of fog and confusion that we, I think we've seen so much. We've seen this area of fog and confusion come out early through feminism because there used to be a the, the standard um, feminist line years ago was that women can do anything men can do. And the only reason why they aren't doing it as fast and as, as much is because they've been dissuaded of doing it when they've been growing up. Right. So it's all been programmed in by the culture. And there actually is no difference between male and female. But that's not true. And so this is that area of fog and confusion. It's kind of interesting. Years ago, there was a, a young man. We were in uh, the uh, down in Kentucky during March, during spring break with a bunch of men from Indiana and Purdue. 
and Ball State. And I was talking about these concepts and I was basically saying that men and women, there's these differences and you can see it on the, on the, on the intellectual and the physical level as well. So what you see is, for instance, if you look at the high level math courses, they're predominantly men. And there's something about the way the male brain is made that they tend to be the extreme mathematicians, the really good ones. And there's this uh, Harvard class used to be, I don't know, they might have woke it out of Harvard by now, right? But there used to be this the Harvard uh, uh, advanced calculus course, which was considered one of the hardest freshman math courses in the country. And at the uh, beginning of the class, there were like maybe 50 people in it and a few women. And by the time the third week was up, there was 20 people left, all male. Because everybody dropped out, but the, the guys that really hung with it. And it's just the way that the, the uh, again, the way the male brain is built, completely different from female. But anyway, kind of talking about these things, there was a man, young man who was actually studying accounting, who was from Indiana. And he said, now that's not true. The only reason why men and women are different is because we've been socialized different, differently, right? And I was just waiting for that to finally come out, right? Well, uh, most of the men didn't buy any of that, but, uh, and then, uh, so he was argued with guys were saying, no, that he said, yes, but I'm in this one math class and there's girls in that math class that are smarter than me. So that proves that women are just as smart as men as math. Well, it's like, no, what you're, he's lost in that area of fog and confusion where the overlap is. Right. So anyway, he was kind of argued down and the next morning we got up and we're going into another discussion. So I, drew on a, uh, a chart, these intersecting curves. And I tried to explain to him, okay, see this little intersection here, right? I said, this is what's going on here. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, so I know what it was. I first was talking about, uh, so the next thing I started talking about was about the, um, after talking about math and I talked about, uh, again, the differences in the marathons and he was a runner and he say, that's not true. I run all the time and there's women that run who beat me in the races. So I know that women are just as good as men in the marathon. Right. So, so anyway, I had to draw this, this intersecting curve out to him. And, and I finally just, he, as he was speaking, I was holding it up so he could see it. And he looked at me and he kept staring at this chart and he finally said, okay, I get it. <laughs> but that was kind of, you know, so, so we're, we're just, the problem with all this is that the, the way the culture's working us, right? If you're not thinking about what you're thinking about, our brains are being dissected and chopped up into pieces and thrown out. Right. And there's the cherry picking the results. Oh, this person just ran this fast. And yeah, they don't mention everybody, but you say, well, they, one person beat somebody else or this high school football team uses a female kicker from soccer. So therefore women are just as good as kicking as men. Like, yeah, it's just, you don't get the whole context. It's just, you know, we make the anomaly and we extrapolate that to be what we assume is normal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of funny how, it, you know, if you're not thinking about, um, how this, uh, what do we want to call it? This, uh, the brainwashing is taking place. So if I go back to 2011, 
I was in Colorado doing an expedition with the uh, vocations director and a bunch of seminarians from Louisville, Kentucky. And afterwards, I was going to meet Father Wilson up in, uh, in Denver, and we were going to go backpacking out into the uh, Indian Peaks wilderness. And as I was driving north, because my, my expedition was down in the southern part of uh, Colorado, as, as driving north, I thought, well, I'm going to listen to see what's on the radio, right? See if I can find something good on the radio. And there were some men who were announcing the World Cup. Now, this was 2011. So what type of World Cup takes place in odd years? Women's. Women's World Cup. Exactly. So as I'm listening to this, there's like three men on this announce who are announcing this particular game. And they were just talking about the whole tournament. And all of a sudden, one of the men who used to be the coach of the United States women's team says, well, you know, any good 15 or 16-year-old boys traveling team can beat the women's world champion team. And I was stunned. I actually looked at the radio and I thought to myself, is he allowed to say that on the radio? <laughs> I mean, it's, so it's like, and that kind of goes, and, and you two guys know me pretty well, that kind of goes to the depths of how brainwashed we've become yeah. in, our, in our culture today, right? Yeah. Crazy. Right, and, and that's now there's the argue for equal pay and in the World Cup and that whole debate. And yeah, that, that stat's conveniently left out or the amount of revenues that the different World Cups generate. It's just, no, we want everything to be equal and the exact same. Yeah. Instead of just acknowledging there's there's differences. Right, right. And so that's a really good question, I think, right? So if you were to look at a bell-shaped curve of how, if you would say male or female, how many uh, in, in a bell-shaped curve of all the people that think that there should be equal pay for everybody doing everything, do you think that would be predominantly male or female? Honestly, I don't know because with the, how like brainwashed, like you said, everybody <laughs> is. A lot of the males would argue for that too, even though, you know what I mean, they're not paying Lamborghini prices for the Ford Focus they drive. Yeah. And they're right. not willing to, you know. Yeah, the guilt, the guilt's been leap heaped on so much that people want to Oh, I'm I don't want to be associated with that. Yeah, I'll, I'll support this and not realize like, hey, hierarchy is a need compensation differences drive it's an incentive yeah. like it's not a bad thing it's like yeah do you do you want all the plumbers paid the same amount and the really bad ones the one fixing your house like yeah, you don't <laughs> right no, dude. yeah that's exactly right so and and so uh, yeah so so we, yeah we're and it's kind of like a it, it's it's another thing so a difference between male and female is that's shown in the sports using the sports analogy is that uh, males, m men and boys are much easier at playing on big teams and enjoying it. Even if they don't start 
Like I know, I know a young man named Patrick. He played four years of college ball, never started. Loved it. And loved it. Loved it. Counts it as some of the best times of his life. Because he was on the team, right? And one of the interesting phenomenon with women's sports, one of the reasons the whole Title IX thing kind of ran off the rails is because if there's a, a tendency for women who are playing sports that if they're not on the starting team, they don't want to play. They'll just quit. They'll go someplace else looking for the starting role somewhere, right? Yeah. And it was once famously said by a feminist once mm -hmm. that, this is proof that men are stupid because they'll stay on a team that they're not starting on. <laughs> right. It's right. funny. That's a, that's a telltale of how differently we think, you know, it is, it is, it is indeed. So it's, uh, so anyway, that was kind of part two of our journey into masculine spirituality, of which we have like six Seven more million. parts to go, right? So we're kind of scratching the surface. And next week, we're going to talk about, we're going to dig more deeply into the science of manhood and women, womanhood. So we're going to, we'll talk about uh, genetics, We'll talk about brain studies. There's some great brain studies that come out of the University of Pennsylvania Medical School, by the way. And uh, uh, we'll talk about uh, uh, the nervous system, the bone structure, and athletic differences again. And kind of delve into this a little more deeply so that we can kind of see this, this good and natural difference between male and female. And as we go through the, the weeks here, we'll, we'll talk about uh, how, and then if, if we really believe, as I do, and I, and I believe you two men do as well, that, that we, ha we come from a faith base that is complementary with faith and science, how does faith and science member up with the scientific discovery of masculine spirituality and say the biblical perspective. So down the road, we'll get right into the biblical description of male and female and talk about how it really reflects the scientific and the scientific reflects back to the biblical at the same time. So, so we're kind of closing in on the end of our time here. And uh, so I didn't get, I didn't allow Peter and Bob much time to talk because I, I like bogarted the whole time frame, right? So <laughs> I learned, I learn every time we talk about these things, John. So one of, one of the things as we go through these series is what I, what I really want to do is I want guys to like challenge, right? And this has happened on a number of different occasions. So when we get into genetics, I remember when we first started talking about, um, uh, there, there's a concept we'll get into next week about in the genetics of how there's a male uh, mutation dominance in genetics. So the, the male creature, the man, the, uh, the, uh, the mutations from one generation to the next tend to be 80% 
passed on by the male and not the female. Mm. So that's an interesting thing. So why do you think that is? You know, that's something we'll talk about next week. So there's some, and I think it really, it delves right into this whole concept because as we go along, we're going to, we're going to start digging into the theology of the body and the telos of the male body versus the telos of the female body and uh, start building this thing out. But we want uh, questions. We want arguments. And, and yes, go ahead, Bob. I was going to say, yeah, especially I think because we're not hearing this generally in any sermon on Sunday. And right. I'm sure you have other books. It's like we're not really talking about what does it mean to be a man in the Catholic Church besides right. like join the Knights of Columbus. We've talked about that. Get the donuts. You had, you had an old article <laughs> that's on, it's not up anymore, but like who's going to get the donuts? Like, you know, we don't talk about sacrifice or asceticism we're like we're meant to build or do this it's just like mm. could you be an usher could you do like like there's there's so much more to like looking at what does it mean to be a man of god and working with that than just kind of like well yeah come to church like if you pray a lot you should be a priest and if you're a young man you're not married yet and that's kind of it versus saying like no there's something here and we need to look at how do we how are we teaching men like, what does it mean to be a man and a devout Catholic or follower of Christ versus how does a woman do that? And it's okay that it looks different, but we don't, we kind of are, we don't really explore that. And we just kind of see a lot of women are keeping the church running because men are like, I don't want to show up. There's no challenge here. There's no battle. Like, and just, I'm sure we'll get into that later on. Um, yeah, the- certainly are. I think you even mentioned that in your note or me email to me about the feminization of Christianity and why men have left, right? What's going on with that? So that's a, that's a, that's almost a, a whole subject in itself for a whole evening, I think. So indeed, there's some really good stuff there. So anyway, um, just to bring you up, I think Bob, we're going to let, we're going to allow you to say a final prayer for us. If you want to come off the cuff with you when I say go, but think about that, or you can grab one out of the liturgy of the hours there, whatever you what we're going to, but, but coming up soon, wilderness outreach, we're going to be down at the, uh, the sisters of St. Cecilia and, and Nashville and, and outside of Nashville and Dixon, Tennessee doing a man work weekend on, uh, February 10th through the 12th. We're going to be doing a father son camp out in March. We're going to have the carry the cross on i believe holy saturday this year is either the 8th or the 9th and um and then we're going to um have the first expedition out in oregon on the rogue river in may i believe may 9th through the 19th we're still looking for a location for a july expedition into the front range of the rockies somewhere so we're looking for in Colorado and Wyoming. And then we have our last expedition of the year going out into the Sierra Nevada up on the John Muir trail and the uh, John Muir wilderness again at the end of August, the last two weeks in August. So going to be some good things going on there. And uh, so as always, if you can uh, slip over to YouTube and like us and uh, leave your comments and uh, yeah, there's a great question. Vince just sent something out there, but uh, 
the way that there's been some great discoveries in math and science that women have helped lead the way in because they're seeing the subject matter in a completely different way. So they're, they're helping, they're almost helping to lead the way in a broader context. And it's the men with the boots on the ground work that are doing the, putting the, the problem solving together. So we'll see some of that when we talk about more about mathematics and the way the brain works. So anyway, uh, Bob, if you would like to lead us out. Sure. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm going to take a prayer here from, uh, and I've mentioned John Eldridge before with wild at heart. He has a new book out, um, called resilient restoring your weary soul in these turbulent times. So he's got a couple prayers in there. So I'll close, um, with a prayer from that in the name of the father and the son of the Holy spirit. Amen. Heavenly father, we thank you for gathering us today to talk about masculine spirituality. Lord, we pray that you bless all that listen to this podcast to draw closer to you and to give them the strength for troubled times. God of all creation, God of the thunderstorm and the waterfall. We need your strength. We need the strength that prevails. We don't want to fall away. We don't want to lose heart. We choose you above all things. We give you our allegiance and our undivided love. We choose single-heartedness towards you, Lord Jesus, body, soul, and spirit, heart, mind, and will. We pray for a supernatural resilience, God. Fill us with your overcoming strength, a victorious strength. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, strengthen us. We pray for strength of mind, strength of heart, strength of will. We pray for the strength that allows us to escape all that is coming against us in this hour. Fill us with your resilience. By faith, we receive it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.